Awesome music this morning. Wow. Um, Music that I think sets the stage for this series that we begin this morning. The series entitled Amazed. And um, I believe that we are going to experience some examples of being amazed as we work our way into, as we begin this series and work our way into it. Um, After teaching the disciples and the crowds of people up on the mountain, Jesus came down and began to talk about the kingdom of God and what it looks like on earth as it is in heaven. And the crowds, it says, were amazed at Jesus' teaching. And so I believe these miracles in Matthew that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks are going to be places where we are going to truly be amazed. And certainly one of our core practices from the Bell series that we taught through some weeks ago is to learn Jesus, to learn what it means to live and be like Jesus. Um, it's, a, it's a connection to our vision, being disciples who make disciples. We're in this together. Uh, We're not a Lone Ranger Christ followers. And Matthew arranges these miracles uh, in kind of a different order than Mark and Luke do. Mark and Luke uh, put them in chronological order. Matthew puts them in a cluster of three miracles, then a little bit of discipleship teaching, and then three more miracles. And so we want to kind of be aware of that. Um, But I think um, I would just invite you this morning, as you would be told if you're getting into an airplane this morning, strap in. And if, if the going gets rough, if the oxygen mask comes down, breathe it, put the mask on the person next to you, because I think the Holy Spirit wants to breathe some air in this room in a new way this morning. Uh, this story that we're looking at has uh, grabbed me in a way I've never been kind of impacted by, and I pray that that can be our, uh, our, your experience too. Uh, page 885, if you're looking at the Red Bibles, Matthew 8, 1 to 4. Four short verses, and actually two, verses two and three are really the verses that really get us into uh, the meat of the story. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you could make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured. Then Jesus said, see that you don't tell anyone. Right. Well, go and show yourself to the priest. Offer the gift Moses commanded and as a testimony to them. God, in these next few moments, as we look at this story that some of us have heard a lot of times, um, I would pray for your Holy Spirit to be present where we each are sitting in this place and that our hearts would be sensitive to how you would want us to engage in this story in places we find ourselves in the story, uh, I believe with all my heart and all my soul that you have things here for us to take with us as we leave today. In Jesus' name, amen. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him, it says in chapter 7. In chapter 5, the beginning of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, it says, And Jesus saw the crowd and went to the mountains. Well, he went to the mountains because of such a crowd. He could kind of be kind of above them, and they could be all around the mountainside. Kind of picture that as he began to teach the core teachings of what were important to be followers of Jesus. There were big crowds. 
He finishes the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7, verses 28 and 29 with these words that I think are important. It kind of sets the framework for this series. And the crowds were amazed at his teaching. We've titled the series, Amazed. The crowds are amazed. Journey folks are going to be amazed. The people we do life with will be amazed because we have spent time in these miracles. Verse 2. A man who had leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said this. Lord, if you're willing, you could heal me. You could make me clean. Now leprosy, like AIDS was some years back, had a death sentence with it. There was no question. It was going to be long. If it was contagious leprosy, it was going to be long And it was going to be painful because some of your extremities would dry up and fall away. It was one of the most dreaded disease if you got the most contagious variety of leprosy. And when you were declared a leper by the high priest, because there there was no health facilities, no health place that you would go and find out what kind of a disease you had, you'd go to the priest. And they would declare over time whether your disease was contagious and whether you could stay in the context of the community or not. Well, the dread of disease, if it's contagious and he or she is deemed a leper, were banned from their family, from their home, from their school, from their workplace, and from their neighborhood, and from their community of faith. Everything that was normal was no more. A leper went to live in a community of of other lepers, and he or she either got better in a miraculous kind of way or died there. And this was the only way the people knew in, that, in the culture of the first century how to deal with contagious diseases was to put them out in isolation. And you've heard the term and you've read about them, leper colonies. Yeah. Well, I've read this story a lot of times. How many of you have read this story before? It's very short, isn't it? It's about a leper. He goes to Jesus and asked to be healed, and Jesus reaches out, touches him, and healed him. End of story. What if we would put that in the context of real life? And if you're a dad this morning, put yourself in the context of this leper. There's a pastor named Randy Barker who... God gives people incredible gifts to write music like we just sang together and to take a story like this and wrap it in more skin in family life. So I want to share from that perspective today. So I don't care what age you are, I think you'll be able to understand a bit um, about what, um, that this story, what God maybe has for us in this story. In first century Palestine... Uh, this is where this man grew up in the city of Jerusalem. His, he lived with his wife, children, and they lived like in a small house on the west side of Jerusalem. Just across the wall would have been the city dump in the Hinnom Valley. And uh, he was by trade a baker. Each morning he would get up early in the morning, break bread, take the warm bread, throw it over a knapsack on his back, and deliver it across the city to the place, the eating establishments that he had business with. It was a routine. 
Um, each day he would do the same routine. Bake the bread, spend the rest of the day delivering it and acknowledging people that he would see in, regular, in the regular routine of his day. Hi, good morning, how are you doing? And had great connections. As he walked in delivering, he also recognized that this, this business of, be, of being a, a bread maker and salesperson uh, was, his, was his meaningful employment to support his family. He loved his wife and children. Each day when he would return from the market, he could count on his children as soon as he rounded the corner just before he got home. He could count on his children seeing him, and they would come out and start hollering, Daddy's home! Daddy's home! And they were most excited to see him and run and give him hugs. He'd step in the door to the smell of an evening meal being cooked by his gracious wife, who he would say was the best cook. They would sit down, offer thanks to God, and eat dinner just like every other night. Each night was the same during the weekdays. After the meal, he gets up, as he, all, as he did many times, and uh, gives his wife a hug and thanks her for being the good partner and wife that she is and for the gracious meal. And uh, what he didn't know that particular night, what, that this was going to happen, and that this was their last meal together. He helped clean up the dishes and, put his, and begin to wash the dishes as he had before and rethinks the activities of the day, anticipates what tomorrow will bring. As he's finishing washing the dishes, he notices something. What is it in the water? What is it? It's turning red. Could it be blood? As he finishes, he pulls his hands out and looks. He goes, I I thought he had a cut. He didn't have any cuts. No, it's as if blood is just running off out of his skin, right, out of the, right off the end of his fingers. It can't be blood. It can't be. He notices his wife in the corner of his eye, panic-stricken. Please, God, no. Please, God, no. He whispers to his wife, take the kids and leave now. I'll find out more tomorrow. The next day, he shows himself to the priest. And the priest had an area for a week, seven days, where people were put in isolation that perhaps had the contagious variety of leprosy. Not, not already banned to the leper colony. It's kind of a holding area for seven days. That's where he was. Seven days passed. And he realized what it was like to live outside the city gate. Seven days passed, he came to be re-examined by the priest. And the nightmare began. He was permanently deemed, you're a leper. You are declared unclean. You will now be banished to the leper colony outside. He lost his wife, his family, his home, his friends and his community of faith. His clothes and his food now became what he could scavenge at the dump. Wrapping rags around where his fingers and and extremities begin to bleed and dry up and fall away. And what that wasn't the worst thing. You know what the worst thing was? Is when somebody would say, um, here comes someone, 
And when they, did, when they would do that, we would, he would cover their faces because they didn't want anybody to see them because the law of the land was in the leper colony, you had to yell unclean when other people came by so they would know to stay away from you. Even when he noticed people that he did business with come by. Neighbors, people from his community of faith. He just covered his face to not be known and stayed away. And one day he noticed somebody coming alone. That's her. That's my wife. Boy, would I like to give her a hug. But I just stayed quiet because I didn't want to startle her. She turned and walked away. And it was the last time he ever saw her. Months went by. Years went by. <clears throat> and someone told him about that there was a prophet in town. And they said, he's the Messiah. He says he is. Some even say he's the son of God. Really? Crowds gathered around him. Who was he really? Even some of the leper colony of his friends there even went and stood in the edge and tried to hear what this prophet had to say. And one time, this man went, and when Jesus would talk, or the prophet would talk, everything got really quiet because it was a big crowd they wanted to hear. And the lepers kind of crowded in on the crowd from the edge. And Jesus said, Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Really? Does he know what it's like to be where I'm at in the shadows? How can he? How can he know? The prophet said he came to fulfill the law. What does that really mean? Does that mean he could do what happened in the Old Testament where a prophet Elisha healed Naaman of leprosy? Really? Really? Hmm. Is it possible to really be healed? The prophet finishes and continues to walk down the mountain. And the crowd makes a way for him to come through. And the lepers begin to holler unclean, yell out unclean, and go to the peripheral. All except for this guy. He risks everything and pushes into the crowd to find this prophet. To go face up with Jesus. And when he reached him... He knelt down in front of him. A posture of worship was then, is today. Kneeling demonstrated his desperation, his humility, if you will, and his recognition of Jesus' authority. It was his display of faith, even though his faith hadn't been very strong at this point. And through tear-filled eyes, he makes a statement. If you want to, you can heal me. Well, the crowd gasped. How could the leper have that kind of audacity to make a statement like this toward Jesus? The prophet, how? And how could the crowd stop him and get him away from it? Nobody wanted to touch him. Nobody would carry him away. Then it happened. Jesus didn't say a word. Just reached out his hand and touched him. 
physical touch is an incredible, powerful thing. Has power. No one had touched him for years. He had been forced to live outside the whole culture that he grew up with. Neighbors, family, without a handshake from friends, without a kiss from his wife or a hug from his kids. Until Jesus touched him. No one else would. He was contaminated. Damaged goods. Jesus touched him. He looked up. Could it really happen? Will Jesus do it? Will he heal me? The words, if you're willing, kind of demonstrate for all humanity, for all of us, this man's faith in Jesus' authority. This leper wanted so badly to be healed and desperate people do desperate things and this was a desperate act and culturally unacceptable. But God often uses our point of need as a place to which he makes himself known. God uses a point of need sometimes as a place to make himself known and besides that, But until that, until we say help and acknowledge that we need help, any knowledge we have about God is still incomplete. Did you hear that? Until we acknowledge and honestly cry out, help, I need help. In this case, he said, I know you can heal me if you want to. Any knowledge we have about God is incomplete. And Jesus did two things that are very important for all people. And I, the first is, was the meaningful touch. Gary Small and John Trent write a book, The Blessing. And they outline five elements of the blessing. And the very first one is meaningful touch. All through the biblical story, the story of God, we have places where people were affirmed and touched. And we know that in infants, studies have been done. In retirement communities, studies have been done where people have not, do not have connection to people and they aren't touched appropriately and their health changes in a negative kind of way for people who don't have meaningful touch. It's most important. Jesus reached out and touched them and through spoken words then said, I'm willing, be clean, be healed. In touching the leper, Jesus stepped into the mass, stepped into a group of people that the culture had deemed unclean, unacceptable, put them away, put them on the shelf in a different category. Nobody wants to be with them. He offers the second element of the blessing, the spoken word. Meaningful touch, number one. The spoken word, number two. Words have tremendous power, by the way. Power to heal and power to tear down. Power to build up and power to, uh, to tear us apart. John Trent, one of the writers, says he was a football player and uh, played on the line. The coach pulled him off because of a play that he missed. And gave him a good chewing, told him to take some time at the sideline. He goes to the sideline and tells his teammates, I wish he wouldn't chew me out like this. And one of his teammates says, don't say that. Stop saying that. At least he's talking to you. If he never talks to you, you know that he's given up on you. 
Spoken words have power. Power to heal or power to destroy. Jesus' touch and his words were simple but effective, revealing God's incredible authority. Jesus' authority over illnesses. Immediately he was healed. And then he was to go show to himself to the authorities, which would be the high priest. And if he was actually healed and deemed clean, he would get kind of, we might call it his green card, to go back and integrate and try to sort out where his family was after so many years. The number we don't know. When Jesus touched the leper, he contracted the defilement himself. He took on the pain. He took on the illness. And it's interesting that that's what this represents. When Jesus came to earth, because God so loved the world, he took on all of our pain and sin here. And when humanity and we have, have called ourselves and other people unclean, Jesus says, go and be healed. I will do that. He says, I'm willing. I want to. Yeah. Maybe it's for you and I. Maybe it's I feel accepted because of Something financial, something spiritual, something relational. Maybe you and I, like the leper, we feel unwanted, unloved, and unlovable. And Jesus is, but Jesus sees us and cares about what you and I are going through or the label that we have put on a group of people or that we have taken on ourselves. And he wants to touch you and I and offer us words of healing when no one else will. So how do we declare groups of people and put them in categories today? And this for, I would invite you into kind of a spirit of reflection for the next couple minutes. The first place I would like to acknowledge is how we have put people in categories because of their behavior. Last night, the Kairos group is in here, and there are men that come and train to go into the prison, or, or, or stay prison over here, men's prison and to work with men. There are 14 guys here training last night, praying, giving it up for God, and going. And this morning, I came in, and they were in here, they're in here, and they leave and clean everything up before you all come. But it's a joy to hear them talk about people who are incarcerated, finding freedom in Christ, and writing notes to family members or to whomever, and asking forgiveness from God and from other people but in the culture we live in, those, those persons in that place over there, we refer to as ex-cons and ex-this. And we, it's really hard for them to, to kind of find their way back into the culture because we, as a culture, me included maybe, have declared them unclean. Are there people in your life, maybe it's even in closer up our families, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, or in the church, that we have, because of their behavior, we won't have anything to do with them. We have them in the category of unclean. I believe Jesus this morning would ask us to hold that out to him. 
and to acknowledge that Jesus is the one who, one who makes us clean or wants to clean us up from everything or anything that's happened to us by our own choices or by somebody else's choice. That's the first category. Second category is more personal for you and I. And that's maybe the, the voices of people in our past or the experiences we have had of our past that have not been perfect, mistakes we have made. Maybe I lost the business. Maybe I went through a family breakdown. Maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that. And we have deemed our own self unclean because of the voices of the past and the experiences we've had in the past. And Satan wants to keep you and I there. I mean, just as recent as Thursday morning at 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, Pastor Jim at Mac and Pastor Dale at Yoder, we had talked on Wednesday about this teaching this weekend. And at 4 a, 3 to 4 a.m. in the morning, I wake up in a hot sweat. And everything I have ever done that was wrong is in front of me. And I realize in a little bit that this is more than just me waking up. Satan does not want us to talk about these kinds of things. He does not want us to be healed and freed from things of situations that people have put on us or that we've put on ourselves. I can't, I can't serve in the church. I can't be a ministry team leader. I did that thing. Would you bring that thing here? Do you believe the cross can take that thing? Yeah. That's the second category. Satan wants us to declare ourselves unclean. And then we can always stay in the peripheral, almost as, uh, as the leper colony. I'm never going to get in the mainstream because I don't deserve it. Yes, you do. If you're breathing air here this morning, you're a valued son and daughter of God, and God wants good for you. Would I get an amen? Thank you. Thank you. The third category is a more broad category. And that category would be, are there places in Hutchinson that you won't drive? I won't go to that address in town, that area of town. Or when you see groups of people on the news this evening, other countries, ethnic groups, different colors of skin, and do you ever put those people in a category and declare them unclean? Oh, it's those people again. They're terrorists. They're this. They're that. And I can do that consciously or unconsciously. And I have to come back to recognize that every single life this morning on this planet that's breathing air is first created in the image of God. And do I look at people that way? I have to admit to you, I don't always. But that's another place that we can put people in categories and deem them unclean. Oh, it's that ethnic group, or it's those people from that country, or it's these people that live in that part of town, or they go to that school system. Yeah. So which one is it for you this morning? Where's the Holy Spirit tapping at your heart? Will you be as bold as the leper to just call it out as he did? I believe Jesus wants us to do that this morning, to just say, Jesus, I know you can heal me if you want. And Jesus looked at him and said, I know you can heal me if you're willing. And the words Jesus used, I 
am willing. Be clean. Be healed. So this morning, as we close our time, the band's going to come out and lead us in a song, I Surrender. But I have a question for you before they come up. When the leper came to Jesus, what was the first thing he did? He knelt down, didn't he? An act of worship. Oh, Howard, don't ask us to kneel, please. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to make anybody do anything. But I'm going to ask you if, to be in, a, be in a position where you can, where you feel like you can best experience the Holy Spirit's presence in the love of Jesus. And if you can kneel forward, or turn around your chair, kneel, or kneel, that's fine. Don't feel any pressure. Not at all. But for this leper to show his his relationship to God was to kneel as an act of reverence. So as we sing this song together, I would invite you to to pray with me. And if you if you want to kneel, that's fine. So let's pray together and then the team will, will lead us. God thank you for this story. A story that we can just gloss over and go through pretty fast. And we can just say, oh, it's a leper and he's healed. And we recognize, God, that this story has, some of, has my name and our names all over it. It's a story about us. It's a story about us and how we put labels and declare people unclean in categories. And, and, the, and we also get caught in taking on a category of unclean ourselves we stay in the shadows. And God, I believe this morning you want some of us to step into the light, the light of your son Jesus. And just say, God, I know you can heal me. And I believe Jesus wants to say, as he always does, I will heal you. Be clean as you surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.